Life is full of challenges. With an unpredictable economy and just the surprising life changes, you need to be prepared to weather any storm. Elder law and estate planning attorney Kevin Tharp and financial advisor Gary Anderson are available to help you with life's difficult decisions. This is Truth in Planning. Grandparenting by the numbers, financial planning for the generations. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And you know, Gary, one of the things that my dad used to always tell me is that Callie, his granddaughter and his other grandchildren, uh, but especially Callie, was his reward for not killing me while I was growing up. (laughs) And that's one of the many, many rewards of being a grandparent. Mm Mm-hmm is uh, you get to enjoy the grandkids, and even better, you get to enjoy them, and then you sugar them up and send them home. Exactly right. And, and that's, that I enjoy doing that because that's a way to get your kids back <laughs> for all those things that they tried to pull on you all those years. <laughs> so, yeah, I completely understand that. But, Kevin, when we get into this time of the year, uh, grandparents really come to the forefront. This is, it's family. Everybody gets together. This is when grandparents actually get to see their kids probably more often than they do any other time of the year all through their their grandkids' lives, for that matter. So as a grandparent, we have to make sure that we're doing what we can for our grandkids, no doubt. Whatever we need to be able to do for them financially— um, actually, and I'll talk about this in a little bit, our time is one of the most important things we can give our grandchildren. Sometimes that's even a challenge. So, But we think about these things when we come up on the holidays. We think about our kids and our family, our grandkids more often. And today, what I want to do is talk about the things that we can do for our grandkids, the different types of financial things that we can do for them. And um, it is kind of amazing because we have a lot of different options out there, but not not all options are good for all people. It really depends on the situation. And um, we want to make sure we look after our grandkids, but first things first, look after yourselves. It's like when they tell you when the, air, the mask dropped from the airplane, the oxygen mask dropped, and put it on yourself first, and then make sure your child is getting the amount of oxygen they need from their mask, but get yours on first so something won't happen to you, and all of a sudden they're impacted as well. It's the same thing that happens with your finances, with your investments. The way your retirement planning goes, look after yourselves first. Make sure that you're taking care of you and yourself and your spouse because financially that's one of the best things you can do for your kids and grandkids, make sure you're taken care of. Because if you're not, then you might be relying on your kids or your grandkids one day to help you financially. So first things first, make sure that really through a financial plan, it always comes down to a plan, a retirement plan. If you don't have a retirement plan in place, if you don't have a written plan in place, then you won't know, you don't have a roadmap. You don't have anything to go by to determine that you can do things for your grandkids or your kids for that matter. There's nothing that tells you, yes, it's okay for me to give this amount of money to my grandkids every year on their birthdays, on holidays, whatever that is, and something that I can do for their financial future. That will be a nice thing, but let's make sure, first of all, that you've got all your ducks in a row for your retirement through a retirement plan doesn't have to be complicated. 
I go through this time after time with people. We don't need for a, a, a retirement plan to be 70 pages because nobody's going to follow that roadmap. But let's make sure that it's a nice, concise plan that you can follow, something that's easy to watch, easy to look at, easy to follow. And so have the plan in place. Then you're able to know exactly what you can do for your grandkids, for your children, for your great-grandchildren. Because I'm a grand grandparent now, Kevin, and it's kind of amazing to me to see the different needs that different grandchildren children have. And you want to make sure you're satisfying those needs, make sure that they're taken care of. But we have some grandkids that really the best thing I can do is spend time with them, spending quality time with them, enjoying that time. And one of these days, Kevin, you're going to be able to enjoy that, although you, you, you say, Callie, it's going to be a long time before that happens. She's in college now. Right. She's 19 and can't date till she's 45, so I got at least 30 years before. But we both attended a wedding here recently, and Callie was there. She she came along with you, and I'm thinking, well, what is she doing? Trying to get pointers here for the future, for future reference, or what's happening? That's how you would see it, but I'm not. I, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm not. I don't see it in a whole different way. I think <laughs> I think when Callie gets married, it'll be mainly I'll figure it out once I get down to the end of the altar. You yeah, know. Yeah, well, you just said there was cake, and now I show up, and we'll take it from, from my experience. You're you're the one who provides the checks up till that point. You don't even know where the money's going until really after the wedding's over. That's oh, when now I know where it all went. Now <laughs> I understand. That now it makes sense why I spent all this money on this wedding. Which is maybe why Missy thought I was crazy when I said not only did I want to have five kids, which wasn't that far-fetched of an idea for it was i wanted all five of them to be girls she's like thinking man that's a lot of weddings that is a lot of weddings yeah a lot of weddings a lot of college educations and tuition that could be an expensive thing you you would be working till you're 95 years old if you're doing that type of thing we're talking with gary anderson today financial advisor and we're talking about financial planning for grandparents and uh gary has uh, said he's a grandparent and he is enjoying those years of, um, and he's just got a new grandson uh, here recently. So he's enjoying being a grandparent. And it's like uh, in my my family, they're so much fun. My mom said, I wished I would have had all of those grandkids first. <laughs> um, but Gary, both of my grandparents, uh, all of my grandparents have, uh, are in heaven. Uh, so uh, if you're really looking for doing something for grandkids, I'd be happy to have you adopt me. And at holidays, I'd be happy to take gifts and things like that. Just so you won't lose that grandparent touch, I'd be happy to help you out. Well, Kevin, the only problem with that is I have to look after your welfare, too, and your tax situation. So I'm thinking that might interfere with mm. taxes a little bit for you. Of course, that's my excuse anyway. The tax implications could be pretty severe for you. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of when Callie's wedding comes along, Granddad can step in and help I think out. We had this conversation years <laughs> yes, ago when it came did. to the car. Yes, we came did. to the college education thing. Of course, thankfully with with her, the college education part, she's kind of helping herself a good she's bit. She's helping there. herself there. Yes, she is. So that that's an awesome thing. But when we one point you made just a minute ago, Kevin was yes, my youngest grandchild, Dax. Dax lives in Nebraska. He lives in Omaha, Nebraska, which for, for most of you, you, a lot of people have never been to Omaha before. But, um, you know, that's that's pretty far out there. That's where will be Hawaii. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. 
And you look at the airfares all these years between uh, Omaha and here, and you realize, well, it, you could be going to Hawaii for that matter. But he's there. All right. I have a lot of clients, I say a lot, several over the years, who have moved to be closer to their grandchildren. Now, I have no intentions of ever moving to Omaha. <laughs> I don't know. The weather this time of the year especially is really cold there. And... Um, I can always get Dax to come see me with his parents if they want to come too, but mainly with him. But it does give people a lot of times this idea, if you have grandkids that are living so far away, that you can relocate. You can go where they are. Yes, that's an option. It can be an expensive option because sometimes you're in a situation where you are now, let's say in this area, our cost of living here, although we think it's high, is nothing compared to other parts of the country. Some areas that you could potentially move into to be closer to your grandparents, all of a sudden you realize, well, wait a minute, I don't have this disposable income anymore. I can spend time with my grandkids, but I don't maybe have enough money to even look after myself at that point if I'm not thinking these things through. Sometimes that's part of a financial plan. I have one client who moved here recently to be closer to her grandkids. And she absolutely made that a part of her plan all those years. Gary, how can our clients take that first step and get that written plan started so they can, as grandparents, so they can be in a financial position? Kevin, they can call us at Anderson Advisors, 888-371-2847. Coming up, we're going to explore the statement, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, I have a lot of conversations with people every day, uh, every day of the week, or at least Monday through Friday, and uh, a lot of different conversations uh, with grandparents, parents, whole families, single people. I have conversations with people that hear me on the radio maybe attend a, a, a meeting that I speak at or a group meeting. And I always get this response. It's a very common response when I talk about a particular topic I'm going to talk about today. I didn't know that. And usually the topic I'm talking about is I, I speak to a group and I'll present this question. What happens to my assets when I die? People will make an appointment. They'll hear me on the radio. They'll call. They'll make an appointment. We call it their initial consultation. And um, I'll come into the room after they filled out all the name, address, and all of that kind of thing. And sometimes it's an entire family sitting in our conference room. And I'll walk in and I'll say, my name's Kevin. How are you? Nice to meet you. And, you know, after the comments of I have a face for radio and all those things, uh, then I'll they'll say, okay, so what are we going to uh, – here's what we're going to talk about. And I hand out a handout that says, what happens to my assets when I die? And I said, you can know the answer to that question regardless of your situation if you have a complete estate plan. And here's what a complete estate plan is. That question, what's going to happen to my assets when I die, is not going to be answered by having a document alone. You've got to get title and document that has your wishes 
about what you want to happen. You got to get those together. And here's the response I hear. I didn't know that. It's the first time I've heard that. Because there is so much emphasis, emphasis, Gary, on documents. I hear it ads on the radio all the time. Radio talk show host, nationally syndicated talk show hosts that appear on this radio station. And when the topic of estate planning comes up, listening to one nationally syndicated uh, radio show with a financial advisor and a caller called in and they were talking about uh, their loved one had just passed away. And um, the first question that the host asked was, well, did they have a will? There is so much emphasis on this document called a will that a document solves everything. I know from my perspective as an estate planning attorney, that's what my training started out with. The emphasis was on documents. I heard an ad on the radio recently about if you've moved for another state, you're going to need to get your estate planning documents updated. And there's never any discussion about titling. It's like all this emphasis and discussion is when you go uh, to a car dealership to get a new car, there's a magazine there with all these different designs and different styles and colors and everything else, and all the emphasis is on that, and there's never any discussion about the engine, how it's made up, connecting the engine to the car and making that connection. There's never any discussion. Every time a person walks through my door or calls my office, we have a discussion about titling along with their documents. Why? Because those two elements are the essential elements of having a complete estate plan. If you don't have those two elements together, you don't have a complete estate plan. And that's why people have to do things like go through probate. And we're going to talk more about that in the next segment. Title means everything. Title can negate your document. I've had many a situation over the years where I've reviewed people. People want me to call in from this radio show, and they want to come in and meet with me, and they want to give me their will and have me review their will. And before I even look at their will, Gary, I ask them, put together a list of the type of assets you have. Because I'm going to ask you how those assets are titled. And once I determine how they're titled, I'll tell you whether your document's effective or not. You listen to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, and my co-host, Kevin Tharp, estate planning and elder law attorney, today is asking, is is making the statement, I didn't know that. And Kevin, there are a lot of things we don't know, but I think when it comes down to it, when we're trying to make sure that you have a plan put together, I think sometimes that people think that the will is a roadmap, but... If it's a roadmap, it could be the roadmap to the wrong place. Or nowhere. It ends up nowhere. Ends up, you got a roadmap, and you stick it in your glove compartment and never use it. You pay a lot of money for this roadmap, and you're out there on the highway, and you get lost. You can't use that roadmap. Why? Because it's, it's just a piece of paper. It means nothing. That's exactly, Gary, that's a great analogy because that's exactly what a will is. A will is an empty car with no engine in it. And when you get ready to use it, guess what? When there's no engine in it, you don't have to be a car expert to know. I'll maybe be a 
uh, guest host on Bud's Garage with this information. A car with no engine isn't going to work. I think Bud would agree with that. I think Bud would agree with that, right? So you've got to get the car and the engine put together. And the engine, in this case, is titling. And here's the thing about a will. You can't title your assets in the name of a will. Why? Because a will, first of all, is not effective until you die. So while you're living, you can't title your home and your bank account in the name of a will. You can't make your will the beneficiary of your retirement account or your life insurance policy. Yet so many times I have heard of professionals, attorneys, that have given a client a document called a will and said, that's all you need. You're fine. You have your estate planning. Your estate planning is complete. And there's this false sense of security out there that all we got to do if we need to do anything is have a will. And so many times I get calls with people that a week before they get ready to take their summer vacation and they're going to be gone to Europe or they're traveling somewhere, they're going on a mission trip. I got to get my I got to get my will updated. (laughs) And they update their document and they think they have everything taken care of. But I could tell you story after story after story. But here's two stories. I can tell you true stories that involved a will and a will did absolutely nothing for the client who paid a lawyer thousands of dollars to have a will. Here's the first case. A married couple, Joe and Mary. They have wills. They got wills when they first got married. And they we call them I love you wills. When I die, I leave everything. Joe leaves everything to Mary. Mary leaves everything to Joe. And as they have kids, maybe they get those wills updated. Maybe to make sure their minor kids have guardians. Okay. And, you know, as kids get older uh, and grandkids come along, they go, hey, we're going to change our will and update our will to reflect our wishes about our grandkids. We want to leave things to our grandkids. In fact, if you were like my mom and dad, you skip the kids and go right to the grandkids Mm -hmm. because the kids really don't matter anymore. So they update this document and there's never any discussion about how Joe and Mary title things. So Joe and Mary have a bank account and it's joint. Joe and Mary own a home and it's titled joint with right of survivorship. And Joe and Mary both have IRAs, and they have each other as beneficiaries, and they have their adult children as the second beneficiaries. And Joe and Mary have a couple of insurance policies, mainly to bury them. And Joe's policy has Mary as the beneficiary, and Mary's policy has Joe as the beneficiary. And Joe dies. And they come to the office of the lawyer to read the will, and the will's not needed. The will is absolutely useless. Why? Because of the way they have things titled, everything goes to Mary regardless of what the will says. Happens all the time on a regular basis. Probably out of every five married couples I meet, they want me to look at their will and one out of the five of them never have title coordinated with that will. And you know why? Because they can't. And so title will trump and negate that document. Kevin, one conversation. Why don't you give people your information so they can have that conversation with you about this? Gary, the best way to reach me is through my website, kevintharp.com. Coming up next, investing in your grandchildren. 
how to invest in your grandchildren. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. And I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. Gary, I can tell you as being a grandson, um, my grandparents, uh, especially my dad's mom, invested a lot in me, um, not just financially. In fact, there was a lot less financially and more of she spent time with me. And, you know, as she got older, there were a lot of things she spent time with me doing, but she got me hooked on soap operas. She called them her stories. <laughs> and I used to work not far from where she lived, so we'd go over, you know, a couple of days a week, and I'd go over and have lunch with her, and we'd sit down and have lunch, and we'd watch her stories. Her As the World Turns was her favorite soap opera. and um, she, But she taught me a lot of life lessons by watching those soap operas. And, and so Grandma, Mama invented, uh, invested a lot of time in me. Well, Kevin, and that's a good example right there. She'd take you out to eat. She'd do things with you. But the main thing was the time she spent. Mm-hmm. The time she spent with you is the thing that you care, have carried forward all these years. And it's something now you're going to be able to pass on to your grandchildren at some point in time as well. You learned a lesson. You learned from her. She was a good mentor there. And... You, my grandchildren range in age from 13 down to one and a half. And grandchildren have different needs at different stages of their lives. And we want to be able to address that. I talked earlier about spending time with them, even potentially relocating to be closer to your grandchildren, which is a big, that's a big challenge, mainly because of the different cost of living in different places, tax situations are different, um, your social networks that you've established all these years where you are, you have to uproot yourself and, do, and go somewhere else. And you're not going to be spending every waking hour with your grandchildren because neither you nor they want to do that. So you'll have to develop new social networks. So that's a big deal. And so I sound like a psychologist or a sociologist at this point, but that's an important part of your overall financial plan is making sure you can take care of yourself. That's why if there are any intentions for you to move at some point in time to be closer to your grandchildren, a lot of things have to be taken into consideration. One of the big things is the money. Will your money last as long? Will it be able to take care of you like you anticipated that when you were doing planning where you are now? In an overall financial plan, if you have those intentions to move somewhere or even have a thought you might do so, we need to build that into your financial plan. And it's easily done as long as we can anticipate things like that. So financially, it's important. You want to be able to look after your grandchildren financially if you can. Time being the first thing, but money being another thing. And there's a lot of different ways that you can do that. Investing in their education, to me, is one of the best ways to express our love for our grandchildren because you're actually investing in their future, which they'll be here a long time after you're gone, and they'll still be benefiting from that. 529 plans, I know a lot of parents and grandparents out there are familiar with these. The 529 plan is an investment plan. And uh, it will take care. It can pay for things like postgraduate school. It can take care of college. It can do all these types of things. It can help pay for their expenses during these time periods. So it's a savings plan that you can do for your grandchildren. It's flexible because of the different types of education it can pay for, vocational schools, pretty much anything you can think of there. 
It does have tax benefits because it grows tax-deferred. It doesn't grow, it's not tax-free, but it does grow tax-deferred, so you can contribute to this all these years, and you, you get a break for that tax-wise. At some point in time, when the money starts to be used, then taxes will be owed on it then. But you do, as a parent or a grandparent, have total control of this 529 plan because you're retaining control of the funds. Somebody can't just dip in there. A grandchild can't say, okay, you know, I'm 16 years old. I need some of that money out of that 529 for my new car. You can't do that with this. This is why it's set up the way it is because it is strictly for education. And when it comes to education, naturally, that's the first thing we always think about as grandparents is making sure our grandkids do have an advantage. They have a leg up on things when they have more assets to be able to take care of that. We're talking about investing in your grandkids today on Truth and Planning, and we're talking about with financial advisor Gary Anderson, He's also the co-host here of Truth and Planning, and he's also a proud granddad. And as a granddad, uh, from day one, when the first grandchild got here, uh, you started putting in an investment with mm-hmm. them. You started investing, I know, with your time and spending time with them. Uh, in fact, you would just encourage your kids to just drop the grandkids off and come back a few hours later. Yeah, or you, you ship them down on the plane and just and leave them here with us for a while. That's yeah. a good well, idea. It's kind of hard for a nine-month-old Dax to do that. But, I mean, he's pretty strong and well, independent yeah, kid. He, he kind of does what he wants to do. Uh, of course, his parents are pretty good about letting him do that, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> that's a different investment, isn't that's it? That's right, yes. yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Kevin, as far as contributing to his education – contributing to his future, I love being able to do that. And if I very well likely could might not even see the results of all this further down the line. It could be years and years from now before he benefits from some of the things that I have set up, that we have set up financially for him. But we do this with all the grandkids. We want to make sure they have an advantage. And I always tell people, too, it is good to be able to contribute to things like your grandchild's education, to your grandchild's future, their financial future, because we don't know what they're going to be up against over the next decades, several decades, because things have changed a lot. We know taxes are going to go up. We know that it's the degree of difficulty is probably going to get higher and higher as to getting an education. There's going to could be a lot more roadblocks there getting good jobs. So we want to give them every advantage we possibly can. But again, going back to my earlier conversation, look after yourselves first and let everything else fall in place. But the plan, the simple financial retirement plan that we put together that you should have, that if you don't have, you should have it. You put that together, all these things are included in that. So you'll know everything is being addressed. Will it be have to change over a period of time? Yeah, the financial plan can be tweaked, and it may need to be tweaked because circumstances change. But as long as you've allowed for those things in the plan, and this is why you need to do it sooner rather than later, when you, especially as you're re- approaching retirement, then you know that these things are taken care of. I think one thing that... Um, a lot of people overlook, and you can't do this with, with a, a grandchild that's a year and a half old, but you certainly could do it to a grandchild who's 13, like Joshua, who for some reason he is 
like in the Kevin Tharp fan club. I can't figure that out all these years, but y'all have had some good conversations together over the years. He senses good character. <laughs> He's learned a lot from you, too. He has. But as far as Joshua's concerned, it's different with him. He's 13 years old, and there's another thing we can do for him. If Joshua goes out and let's say he wants to start his own little business. I had a, nef- a niece that did this over the years. She turned that into something that now in her 30s, it's making a, it's a good living for her. <laughs> but if he wanted to go out and make extra money for himself, cut grass, I don't know, collect beanie babies like a lot of people used to do, that type of thing, then he, if he's self-employed, we can contribute to his Roth IRA. Wow. And we can't contribute unlimited amounts for a child, let's say a 13-year-old or 14 or 15, 16-year-old, whatever it is. You can only contribute as much money as they made with this part-time work. So let's say you made $2,500. Your grandchild makes $2,500. You can match that as far as a Roth goes. But if they made $4,000 up to $6,500, you can put that into a Roth IRA for them. That can grow exponentially between now and the time they retire, because remember this, that's a retirement plan, and that's something they can definitely benefit for further down the line. Harry, I know our listeners are really interested in helping for their grandchildren by investing not only in their lives, but helping them financially. How, how can they get in touch with you? Kevin, we'd love to have a conversation about your grandchildren. So just give us a call at 888-371-2847. Coming up next, we're going to explore the statement, well, I never heard that. I never heard that. I'm Kevin Tharp, elder law and estate planning attorney. And I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor, Anderson Advisors. Gary, growing up a lot of times as a kid, and I would always do this even with my grandmother, they would say, I told you to do whatever it was, X, Y, and Z. And I would always go, my response would go, well, I didn't hear that. Did you hear that? I didn't hear that. So it's what my wife likes to call selective listening. Mm-hmm. And we guys are really good at it. Yeah, we are. I've, experts. I've, I've let, brought it up to the level of an art form, I think, around my house, uh, especially during you know certain times like football games and baseball games and things like that. It's, you know, I never heard that. The important thing. Yes. Take out the garbage. I never heard that. I never heard that. That's why the garbage can is next to my bed in the morning. So I may not have heard it, but I'm going to see it. you smelled that. I smelled that. That's exactly right. And Gary, probably one of the most common times that I hear that phrase, I've never heard that, is at least once a week, we are counseling with families and assisting families who are in a crisis situation because their loved ones went into a nursing home. Mm. And they are very pleased uh, to hear what we're going to talk about on today's show. And here's what they are telling me they're hearing from the nursing home and from others. When their loved one goes into a nursing home, they talk about how they're going to care and you know their room and set up all of that. And then the next thing, the financial person comes into the room and said, let's talk about how you're going to pay this, pay for this. And it costs $10,000 a month. And I know because I've had this conversation. My brothers and I had this conversation uh, when my dad went into a nursing home. My dad and brothers and I had this conversation back in 2018 when my mother went into a nursing home. 
So I've heard this conversation. Now, fortunately, and my brothers and dad looked at me and said, I never heard that before. How come I've never heard that before? And here's the first thing they Because hear. they didn't listen to you. They didn't listen to me. <laughs> yes, apparently they're not listening to the radio show or yes, selective <laughs> listening. I never heard that, you know, although I talk about it all the time. Trust mm-hmm. me. Here's what they did here. Your loved one's in a nursing home, and here's what we heard. You've got to sell everything you own. You've got to sell your home. You've got to cash in your retirement accounts and all the money you have in your bank account, and you have to spend all of that money on your nursing home. Now that Medicare is over, because you've plateaued, your loved one is plateaued in their therapy, Medicare's not going to pay anymore. They've only been there about two weeks, but... You know, we know they're going to plateau in their therapy or have plateaued in their therapy. So Medicare's not going to pay anymore. You don't have any insurance to pay. So you're going to have to pay out of pocket at $10,200 a month. That's how much my dad's nursing home cost. My mother's nursing home was 10000 a month. And that was about three years apart. Mm-hmm. So the costs go up. And the first response of my entire family was, who can afford to pay that? How are we going to pay that? Oh, well, if you have any assets, you've got to spend them. And that's one of the reasons, quite frankly, that the nursing homes want you to give them all of your financial information because then they can look at your bank statements and everything else and say, you've got too much money. You've got too much money in this account. Never mind that this account is an IRA account. You're going to have to sell your home or we're going to put a lien on your home if you uh, in order to pay for the nursing home and so people are in a panic and then they come see me and here's what they hear from me the first thing they hear from me is focus on the type of assets your loved one has because there are certain types of assets that by law are protected federal and state law and your home is one of them you're listening to Truth in Planning. I'm Gary Anderson, financial advisor. My co-host, Kevin Tharp, today is telling us about things that we never heard. I never heard that. And, Kevin, unfortunately, we tend to hear more of the bad things and react to that than we do the good things. I don't know why that's the case, but it is. And from a planning perspective, I know that sometimes I have clients that I'll refer to you they will go into a meeting with you. They'll come out with a completely different outlook. A lot of times it does deal with things like long-term care, maybe an aging parent or a spouse of a, some, someone. They find out things from you. Now they're hearing. Now they're listening because things are real imminent. They're totally relieved when they come out to find, come to find out that they're not going to have to use every single thing they have to pay for long-term care. Gary, I know not long ago you referred a client to me, and it was an older couple, and you have been helping manage their investments, including their IRA, for a number of years. It's been one of your first clients when you got into the industry. And you referred them to me for estate planning many years ago, and we took care of that. But the husband was uh, went into a nursing home or was about to go into a nursing home. And this client, his wife, called and said, Gary, I'm going to need to cash in Bill's IRA. Mm -hmm. 
exactly. And then I'm, I'm going to have to cash in mine not long after that. And you responded by saying, well, Mary, why are you cashing in Bill's IRA? And she said, well, because that's what the nursing home told me I had to do. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the nursing home thinks if you have an asset, you've got to use it and spend it before you can get Medicaid. And it turns out that that account was a retirement account, IRA, and it is protected from just you having to do just that. And so when you referred this client to me, and I showed her in black and white where not only was her retirement account protected, but every other type of asset she owned including her retirement account and her husband's retirement account, she said, how come I've never heard that? And quite honestly, my answer would be, I don't know. You need to go back and ask the nursing home. My guess is the nursing home wants you to cash that in because once you cash in that retirement account, it changes it from a retirement account to just a regular cash account. And cash accounts are not as protected as retirement accounts. So you're going to have to spend it. You're going to have to spend it. And who benefits? The nursing home. The nursing home. Because your husband's care is not going to differ based on whether Medicaid is paying them or he's private paying. Two ladies sharing a room in a nursing home. One of them was my mother, and my mother had Medicaid paying for her care, and she kept her home, she kept her IRA, she kept her life insurance, and because she was married, she got to keep her, she and my dad got to keep their bank accounts because of the type of assets they owned. They were protected. And Medicaid was paying for her care at about $5,000 a month. Her roommate was paying out of pocket $10,000 a month. And they got the same care. In the they same got the place. same meals, the same diaper changes, the same bathroom breaks, the everything. There was no distinction at all. So what's the difference? The difference is this is why you haven't heard it, because the nursing home doesn't want you to know it. They don't want you to know it because they will benefit from it. Here's another thing people say all the time I didn't hear. Oh, I got to give up ownership of my assets if I want to protect them from spin down. You hear this all the time from elder law attorneys and people on the radio. Well, Gary, if you give up ownership, that's one thing that will unprotect everything because there's penalties for giving up ownership. So when you come to see me, when you walk through my door and have a meeting with me, you will not hear you got to give up ownership in order to protect your assets. You might hear that somewhere else, but you're not going to hear it from me. There's a right way and a wrong way, Kevin. Let people find out the right way to do this. Contact me through my website, kevintharp.com. Investment advisory services are offered through Anderson Advisors, a registered investment advisory firm. Anderson Advisors is an independent financial services firm that helps people create retirement strategies using a variety of insurance and investment products. Investments involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. Past performance does not guarantee future results. Any reference to protection, safety, and lifetime income generally refers to fixed insurance products, never securities or investments. Insurance guarantees are backed by the strength and paying capabilities of the insurance carrier. This show is intended for informational and educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment advice. You should consult with a financial advisor to help determine the best options for your particular circumstances. No statement made during this show shall constitute tax or legal advice. Our firm is not endorsed by the United States government or any governmental agency. The information and opinions construed herein presented by third parties have been obtained from sources believed to be reliable. Completeness cannot be guaranteed. Neither Gary Anderson or Anderson Advisors is affiliated with attorney J. Kevin Tharp or any guests on this show.